0: On. This week, we're giving away a six-month subscription to LeadQuizzes.com, valued at $300. LeadQuizzes helps you create interactive lead generation quizzes to help you grow your email list. This is the same software I used to generate over 20,000 leads for my business in 2017. For a chance to win, subscribe to the podcast, then take a snapshot or picture showing your subscribe and text it to 716-218-8981 or email it to growthexperts at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Hi everyone. And today we have an amazing guest. His name is Jeff Hayden. And he is an author, a speaker, a ghostwriter, an Inc. Magazine contributing editor, and a LinkedIn influencer. He recently published a book called The Motivation Myth, which is available through Amazon and other book retailers. Jeff has ghostwritten over 50 nonfiction books, including seven Amazon category number ones. Also, he's ghostwritten hundreds of columns, articles, presentations, speeches. I mean, you name it, Jeff's ghostwritten it. So I want to welcome Jeff to the show. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Thanks. And uh, you made me sound uh, way more important than I am.
0: Well, I can tell you that writing is something that most people really struggle with. And I'm one of those people. You know, where you can sit down and probably knock out a thousand words pretty quick. You know, it's a labor of love for me. So I have much, much respect for people that that can put out the type of content that you put out, not only the volume, but the quality of it. So I'm a fan. I asked you on the show because I've been following you for a while, particularly on LinkedIn and through Inc. And so I'm excited to dive into the show here. So do me a huge favor for my audience. You know, talk to me a little bit about what is a ghostwriter. You know, what is that all about? How does it work? Probably the best analogy
1: is that I'm like the contractor that builds your house. You have the plans and you have the goals. You know what you want your house to look like, but you can't build it. So I build it, and when I'm done, of course I don't get to live in it with you, and I have no rights to it from then on. So really it's, you know, it's a it's a work for hire kind of a thing, and it's a skilled service that people who have ideas or who have content they need to produce or who have the ability to market some kind of content, whether it's a book or whatever else. They have all those things, but they don't either have the time or the the willingness to write, then you hire somebody like me. So it's actually a very straightforward thing if you think about
0: it. Yeah. So again, you, you ghost you've done a lot of books, like nonfiction books. I mean, yep. are you able to name any of the titles or is that kind of behind the scenes?
1: <laughs> no, ghost ghostwriting's like fight club. The first rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club. And the first rule of ghostwriting is especially the way I do it. I feel like I sign non-disclosure agreements that my firstborn child is tied up as surety in there somewhere. So you don't, you can't talk about your clients, which is an interesting topic because you know your audience is all about trying to grow a business. And it makes it hard to grow a ghostwriting business when you can't talk about the people you've worked for, nor the projects that you've done. All you can really do is say, Hey, I'm really good. <laughs> which you know, which isn't which isn't exactly a ringing endorsement. But you know, we can talk about that because there are ways to get around it, and I did find ways to get around it.
0: Sure. So, just so you guys know, you know, even though we can't talk about Jeff's clients, you know, the stat that I did found in my research is that in 2017, just his articles on Inc. alone attracted over 20 million readers. Okay, and you heard that right—20 million readers just from his ink articles alone. That's none of his other stuff. So trust me, he knows his stuff. He's, you know, definitely, you know, definitely very skilled at it. And we're going to dive into that a little bit. So, all right. So the obvious question to me, why ghostwriting?
1: I worked in manufacturing for almost 20 years. I worked my way through college at a manufacturing plant and graduated and all the jobs that I interviewed for were, you know, 40 year old men in cubicles, which I wish I was a 40 year old man now. Uh, But at the time, it didn't look that attractive and so i went to work for another manufacturing plant and started at the very bottom and by that i mean the very bottom so i was the stereotypical college boy but i worked my way up and eventually ran a plant which had been my dream and after about 3 years of doing that i realized that you know some dreams are great until you get there and wanted to do something different and i had been whining about it a lot i would say discussing my wife would say whining and she said you know we're in a pretty good spot why don't you do something else then And I'd always wanted to write, but wasn't sure if I could. So she said, take a year, do your best. If it doesn't work out, you can go back to what you did. So I did. And really the only way to make a living that I could see writing because it didn't have a name, I'm not Stephen King or anything like that, was to write things for other people who had a need. And so that's what I started doing. It was painful at first and it was difficult. And I spent way too much time per revenue generated on some of the stuff that I did But as everybody in your audience knows, that's part of building a business and building a reputation. And so I just kept chugging and it was, you know, 12 hour days, six, seven days a week. I am easily the worst boss I've ever had in terms of expectations and demands. And but all that stuff eventually, as everybody in your audience, again, knows it all pays off if you stay with it. So that's, you know, I I know that's probably a very glib way of putting it, but that is how it works. You find a client, you figure out what they need. You deliver what they need, not what you want to provide. You know, because ghostwriting isn't some way to express your creativity or your, you know, your own inner self. Ghostwriting is providing a service and meeting the needs of the people that you provide that service to. And so, if you do that reliably, you can build a business.
0: Great. So, I, I think I have a better understanding of how the contract part of it works when you're the contractor and you've got a, an entrepreneur or an executive or someone who's got a book they want to write. They pay you X amount you interview them, then write the book, and then they put their name on it and sell it, right? That's the basic contractor model, right?
1: Yeah. And, and then to go a little bit farther, my wheelhouse nowadays is to do, how do I say this? I used to spend a lot of time with the client figuring out what they wanted to say, who their audience was, all that stuff. As I got better at it, because I have a management leadership business background, a lot of them can talk to me in shorthand about some of their concepts. And so I've gotten to the point now where my wheelhouse is people who have a book idea, have a way to sell it, know they have an audience, but don't even want to get into the high level what's going to be involved. So we'll sit down for maybe 20 minutes often on the phone, flesh out 10 or 12 major bullet points that they want to cover, and that often is the sum total of their involvement with me other than me calling them periodically and saying, "You know, hey, I've got a really good spot here for an anecdote or a story or something that's happened to you that would help illustrate one of these points." That's kind of where I fit in. A lot of ghostwriters spend a ton of time and almost are channeling that person, but I tend to go away and and create something that I think is right for them. 99% of the time turns out to be the right thing to do.
0: So the obvious question to me, and I don't mean to put you on the spot and answer whatever format you feel comfortable. I mean, and I know there's probably a range, but for you to write a book for someone, say for example, just a hypothetical, I wanted you to write a book. I had the book idea. What would be the range of cost for something like that?
1: Well, wow. the short answer is it depends. And I know that sounds like a cop-out, but it really does depend on the subject matter, how much research I have to do, which typically is not a ton, how much interaction you and I are going to have, who the audience is, how long it's gonna be. There's lots of stuff, but to not evade your question, anymore, I I range somewhere between twenty to twenty-five thousand up to maybe seventy to seventy five thousand.
0: Okay, great. So that gives a good baseline. I mean, yeah. I, it's kind yeah. of what I was expecting. I mean, you I've know, done
1: books for cheaper. Yeah. And, and I've done books for more. <laughs>
0: of course, of and, course.
1: And, you know, it, so it just depends. But one thing I don't ever do is ask to share in royalties or sales. A lot of a book's success depends on its marketing. You know, a, a really good book with terrible marketing is not going to sell. And a mediocre book with great marketing, and you've read them before, often will sell. And you'll think, wow, why did I buy that? So the marketing is a piece that I can't get involved in because I'm the ghostwriter and and I'm behind the scenes. So if you go out, if I write a book with you and you go out and do a massively wonderful job of selling that book and it sells incredibly well, well, I don't feel like I should participate in that because that's on that's you and that's your deal. And I'm just happy if that happens because you'll come back and want to write another one with me. So I don't do royalty participation. And I also don't do, you know, like, your name plus with my name. I never do that. I, I don't need the credit. Credit doesn't put money on the table or food on the table. You know, I, I don't care about credit at this point. And, and frankly, I never have because it's all about how can we write a really good book that people will get value from.
0: Okay, great. So that's the contractor model. And that makes a lot of sense to me now. Thank you for explaining it and helping the audience to understand that. Are there other ways... To make money writing, I've heard different strategies where if you write for different publications, they'll pay you per article or per word. Can you talk to that a little bit? I mean, is that kind of your relationship with how Inc. magazine works? Are you on salary? Is it a per diem? How does something like that work?
1: The where I got started with Inc. was early on when we talked about it's hard to market yourself as a ghostwriter. You know, I was I had reached this plateau in terms of exposure and finding clients, and my wife said, well, you need some stuff in your name. I thought, well, nobody wants to read anything by me. And she said, well, still, you should do that. So I basically pitched 10 of the major business sites at the time and said, hey, I would love to write for you, and you know what, you don't even have to pay me, and if it works out, great, if it doesn't, great. But the goal there was just to have some stuff in my own name so that people, if people read it and thought, wow, that's pretty good, then and noticed that I was a ghostwriter, then maybe they would contact me. I was looking at it basically as a lead generation tool, but it worked out really well, really quickly. And at the time I was writing for a site called uh, Bnet, which was part of CBS and it got folded into a CBS Money Watch. But they, within about three months said, you know, we really like to pay you, which I realized meant that they didn't want me to go somewhere else, which was cool. And so they offered me, the deal was I could either go per article or I could go by the page view. And so since I was doing well ghostwriting and I didn't you know, you always want revenue, but I didn't need that revenue. I decided to bet on myself and go with the per page view model, which most people did not do at the time because it, there's no guarantee. But I thought I would bet on myself. And that turned out to work spectacularly well. And so then when Bnet folded into MoneyWatch, the editor there and a couple other lower level editors went to the Inc. I went with them. I'm on the page view model there. And it's surprisingly lucrative. I get paid by the page view, and I can't tell you how much, but since I do average about a million and a half to two million page views a month, it is a very nice chunk of revenue. So that is one model for it, is that if you find a site that will pay you either by the view, which is a tough way to go, but it is also a way that doesn't cap your earnings if you do really well, whereas, you know, by the article, you're just paid by the article. But there are plenty of places like that where there are opportunities. There are also plenty of places that will take your content for free in exchange for, and I'm using air quotes, exposure. And you have to look very carefully at those and what the exposure is you actually get. Because oftentimes, quote unquote, exposure just means, hey, we're going to use your stuff, but you're not going to get anything out of it. (laughs) In reality, that happens a ton. Uh, Huffington Post might be an example for some people. Uh, so there, there are other ways to do it in your own name, but I think the ghostwriting way. If someone is a writer and wants to build a writing business, that's where I would start because there are content still. Well, content. I hate the phrase. Content is king, but tons of companies need content, whether for content marketing or whether for how-to stuff or for you name it. It's out there, and they don't always have skilled people on their staff, and they don't necessarily need a full-time person. So it's the perfect model for that contractor work for hire freelance type situation.
0: Sure. So, taking a step back, you know, I know you can't talk about your how much you get paid per page view, but what would be a typical range for somebody, you know, doing that, you know, for another publication. I mean, I know they vary, but can you put it into scale for us a little bit or perspective?
1: To be honest, I don't really know what anyone else pays but ink. <laughs> so, okay. Cuz I've never tried. Sure. But, you know, roughly speaking, I would say probably the higher end of the scale would be about, let me see if my math is correct, about $10 for every thousand page views, maybe. (laughs) I don't know if my my math is correct. I'm not sure. Um, But it it can easily be, if you are at the top end of the scale for a major site that pays by the page view, it's easily a five-figure per month kind of a payout.
0: Wow, that's awesome. All right. If perfect. that helps.
1: If that, if that no, helps. no,
0: that definitely, definitely helps.
1: Now, I'm so, not talking five figures like starting with 99. <laughs> right, but it is, right. But it is five figures.
0: Right, for sure. Okay, great. So, in an effort to show how valuable being a good writer can be, and I got, again, I don't know if you mind sharing or not. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you have a lot of different revenue sources. Can you talk to, are you comfortable sharing anything about your 2017 revenue or what you did in business? I know you do speaking, ghostwriting, all these articles, you know, talk to me a little bit about that, the book. Wow.
1: So you're asking me how much money I make. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I'm curious, uh,
0: only if you're comfortable. Again, it's, it's right, do, trying what to what put I'll it do. in perspective for the here's listeners. What I'll
1: do. Ghostwriting is still a major chunk in terms of percentages, is a major chunk of my revenue, but it is not nearly as big as it used to be because I do some speaking and I only take certain engagements that I think make sense and that also, quite frankly, pay fairly well. So that has changed my model. My book is coming out and I got a very nice advance for doing so. And so that changes that model as well, because that's revenue that's not ghostwriting related. My ink stuff, is not ghostwriting. That's me. And so that is also another nice chunk. So what used to be long ago, I would have said, you know, like maybe 80% of my revenue came from ghostwriting. And now it's probably a little bit less than 50, but that may change depending on, you know, whether I do another book or, or what other stuff I try to get into. So I don't know if that helped.
0: No, no. I mean, I'm just
1: trying to, I don't really want to give you a a, a total number, but, but it's, it, What I let me put it this way: I make more money now than I did running a plant, which was the top job, you know, at that level in that company. I do much better than that, and of course, it's on my own terms, which there's a value to that as well. The best part about my job is, at least as a ghostwriter, is I get paid to learn about stuff. So, you know, I don't have to pay a college to go to school. I get paid to learn about stuff that is interesting to me. So that in itself. I don't know what value you can put on that, yeah, but it's, so it's pretty high.
0: So it's definitely a significant six-figure income. May not oh, yeah. oh, quite yeah. be seven figures, but it's definitely a six-figure income. That's yeah, awesome.
1: Ab- perfect. Abso- absolutely.
0: Yeah, that range is perfect. So let me ask you something. You know and con- I have
1: no employees and almost no expenses.
0: Right. So it's all profit. <laughs> Goes right in the hip national yeah. bank, right?
1: So yeah, pretty
0: much. Content marketing has been a boom here for particularly the last decade, the last five to ten years. And it seems like everyone wants to write for publications like Inc. and Entrepreneur and Huffington Post. For someone who's an entrepreneur or a budding entrepreneur or whatever, or even an executive in a large company, is it worthwhile to seek that type of exposure? Because you alluded earlier that they promise exposure versus money. Can you expand on that? Can you unpack that for me a little bit?
1: Sure. If I do think there is a value. I know people that write for Inc., and for entrepreneurs that run businesses that they're using it for quote unquote exposure, but it's turned out to be a very valuable lead and customer generation move because their content is really good and gets a lot of play. If you decide that you're going to write for, well, let's pretend it's Inc. and and they accept you. And yet you're just going to write the kind of same stuff, different day things that you can read anywhere. No one's going to read it you're not going to get the exposure you're looking for. You're not going to get really anything out of it other than somewhere on your CV, you can put, you know, inc.com contributor, which, you know, between me and you, that what does that mean? So you have to go into it saying, I have something to say. I have something different to say than what most other people say. And my sole goal when I write is to benefit the people reading. If it's a thinly veiled sales tool, if it's, you know, The old 80, 20, I'll give them 80% information, but 20% of it's going to be marketing me. Well, then 0% of the people are going to read it because people sniff that out instantly. So if you go into it saying, I'm going to provide value, I'm going to do good stuff for readers, and if anything, I will just bask in the reflected glow of my wit and wisdom and knowledge, then you have a chance of actually getting customers and building a business through that outlet. But if you take the other approach and say, wow, I'm going to use this as a cool little sales channel. People smell it instantly. So it really does depend on how you choose to approach it.
0: Sure. So with that in mind, I mean, what would you, oh, here, here's the question. So if someone were looking to start writing for a publication like Inc. or Entrepreneur or any business insider or anybody, what tips would you give them? I mean, I know you talked about focusing on you know the the quality of the content and obviously right. that's very very important right and i think that's that's missed by most people when it comes yep. to any sort of content and that's the reason why good writers like yourself stand out from the crowd right that's the reason why you get a million or 2 million views a month but what would you do what would you suggest someone an entrepreneur or someone listening do to try to start writing for a major publication could you give us a few tips
1: the the best way to do it is to pretend that you were going to pitch ink to write for them let's say so you would sit down and you would say okay i'm gonna if you don't have stuff that you've already published somewhere that you are incredibly proud of and feel represents what you would write in the future for somebody like Inc., then you first sit down and write three articles that are killer that show the kind of content that you are going to create then you take another step back and say okay But, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to be a one hit wonder. So then you come up with eight or 10 more articles. You don't have to write the whole article, but headlines and a summary of what you would write about to show them that not only do you have three, but you've got eight or 10 more ideas in the hopper and that there is more that where that came from. And you pay particular attention to your headline. You know, headline writing is an art. You have to attract, but you can't clickbait and you know, you can't bait and switch. So there's that whole balance of, I need to attract eyeballs, but the article needs to pay off. So you do that. You put those eight or so together. And then you talk about how you plan to build an audience. If you don't have much of a social media profile, how do you plan on building that? How do you plan on reaching out and attracting an audience? You know, Inc. is a great platform, but there's a lot of people writing for Inc. And you should see it as your job to build an audience, not Inc's job to build an audience for you, if that makes sense. And if you approach it that way and you put that package together and say, here's all my stuff, here's how often I will write, here's what I will do for you. Basically, it's like a proposal where you are showing all the value to Inc for having you on their staff. And if you put all that together, then you have a really good chance. And I think that would work just about anywhere you went. If all you do is say, you know, I'm Dennis and I'm awesome and you guys should consider having me write for you. Well, who cares? You know, I mean... Not to, not to put down the fact that you're a dentist, because that's <laughs> cool, you know, but, but you know what I mean. So it has to be, it's like a sales proposal where you talk about the value to the customer. And the value to a site like Inc. is that you will create quality content that lots of people will want to read and that you will build an audience that brings people to Inc. and helps grow the entire platform. That's what you have to focus on, not what it will do for you. If you talk about what it will do for you anywhere in there, then in my opinion, that's a huge mistake because why should they care what it will do for you?
0: Yeah. Do you think that LinkedIn, you know, I'm a big LinkedIn guy. I know you're a big Mm -hmm. LinkedIn guy. I know you publish a lot of content there. I've been getting pretty aggressive there. Do you think LinkedIn is a good platform to highlight some of that content and to attract publications to you to possibly have them want you to write for them? Or do you think it's really going to be more outreach to the publications themselves?
1: Well, if you get lucky and someone comes to you, that's awesome. But you shouldn't count on that. So, if you're using LinkedIn to kind of build a base and build followers and and show, that's a perfect place to show that you can build an audience and that you have an audience that will you will bring with you. But if you think about it just in terms of, well, I'm going to create all this stuff and then somebody's going to you know walk into soda shop and pick me to be a star you may wait forever. But if you look at it as a, I'm going to use this to build a base and then I will use that as a platform for my outreach where I will go out and try to find opportunities, then I think that works really well.
0: Perfect. So who would they contact at a publication? You know, do they reach out to an editor that they find on LinkedIn? Is there typically a page on the site where they would go submit their proposal? I mean, how does that work? For Some, site, you-
1: some sites will have a, you know, want to be a contributor type of a page the bigger ones typically do not, but if you, you know, if you're just a little bit creative, you can kind of figure it out. Like on Inc., I think it's contributors at Inc.com. That's the email address and it's not that hard to find. I don't know about some of the others. What I did and what worked for me, well, it didn't work and it did work. I was trying to find out who to pitch because I wanted to go directly to an editor back when I was first trying to find a site to write for. I didn't want to go into the general mailbag. So I picked out people who, were writing for some of the sites that had seemed to be doing particularly well and wrote directly to them because their you know addresses were easy to find and said, Hey, you know, you're awesome. I really like your stuff and and I would like to write for the site too. Can you just can you tell me where to turn? Basically. And only one of them responded, but one was all I needed. And I've never forgotten the fact that the others didn't respond. (laughs) Both, (laughs) both both because I'm mean spirited and also because when people ask me questions, I always you know, I, I get the question you just asked me probably five times a week from people. And I respond every time because someone was nice enough to do so for me. And oftentimes all people need is a chance. And so who am I to not give somebody a chance to take a shot? Perfect. But I'm, I'm also extremely honest and candid about what it's going to take, you know. And so I walk through basically what I did with you just a few minutes ago. And at the end of it, say, you know, if, if that seems like too much work or too much trouble for possibly no return, then, you know, don't try because you may not hit right away. And in fact, you probably will not.
0: Yeah, exactly. So listen, this has been amazing. You know, I have not read your book yet. I was honest with you. I am going to get a copy. I promise. It's called That's all right. The, it's, it just
1: came out today. So yeah, it's, <laughs> so called the, too
0: far behind. it's called the motivation myth. And can you talk to us about that for a second? Cause I read the summary of it and I'm really, really intrigued. Take a minute and tell us a little bit about what people could expect if they were to grab that book.
1: Sure. The idea for it came, I was talking with, who should I pick? Kirk Hammett, the Metallica guitarist. If you're going to drop a name, why not drop a good name, right? Perfect. Uh, and, and he was talking about, you know, he's been, I don't know, they've sold a hundred and some million albums. They still tour, they sold out stadiums this year, 40 years into their career, which few mu- musical groups do. And he runs a pedal company. He has all kinds of interests. And I was just, as we were talking, it occurred to me that not once did he ever say, you know, and one day I woke up and realized that this was my path and I had found my passion and I had all the motivation I needed to carry me all the way through. Never said anything like that. Then I contrasted that to all the people that talk to me and contact me and say, you know, I just feel stuck. There are things I want to do, but I just can't find the motivation. You know, the motivation hasn't hit me. I haven't found my passion, hasn't hit me. And I thought, okay. All the successful people that I've talked to, and I'm fortunate that I get to talk to a ton, none of them ever talk about that lightning bolt of inspiration, passion, and motivation. They all talk about, I'm interested in this. I think I'll try that. And then the process goes very predictably. They try something new. They work at it for a little while. They don't give up right away when it seems hard. They enjoy a little small success. That feels good, and that motivates them to keep on working. And so over time, by following a process that will work, they get daily doses of motivation because they're making small improvements which feel good and make you want to keep trying, as opposed to the people that think that they have to have this lightning bolt of motivation that will carry them all the way through. And so that really is the myth of motivation. People think that incredibly successful people have something they don't, and they have this motivation. That they do not, when actually no one gets motivation, you create it yourself by creating small repeatable successes that allow you to feel good about yourself and to keep on plugging. And the cool part is at some point you transition from, I'm working to try to do this thing and you become the thing you are trying to do. So Kirk learns to play guitar, but at some point he becomes a musician. If you're a new supervisor, at first you're just supervising and managing. But one day you wake up and think of yourself as a leader. And so that whole process of becoming something, when you have become it, it's part of your identity. And then in large part, you don't need any motivation at all because it's just what you do. It's what you do. It's what you enjoy. Like, you know, do people have to be motivated to take care of their kids? I don't know anybody like that. That's just what you do. That's who you are if you're a parent. And so you can do that with any pursuit that you take on, if you work hard in those early stages to get past that initial discomfort and start to enjoy even the tiniest successes, because that will motivate you to keep going.
0: That's perfect. I agree. I look forward to the book and that's a perfect way to wrap this up. Do me a favor, Jeff, let everybody know how they can connect with you and, um, and then we'll wrap up.
1: Uh, Let's say I'm on LinkedIn, easy to find. Uh, If you go to Inc.com and want to read anything I wrote, just search my name and there's about 1,600 articles probably. I'm Jeff underscore Hayden on Twitter and my website's jeffhayden.com and I've always wanted to say this, so I'm going to inflict it upon you, but my book is out today and it is on sale wherever books are sold.
0: Perfect. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on here. I look forward to getting the book. Have an awesome day and we'll chat soon.